Good afternoon, heathens. This is Culture Wars. This is where I try to inject nuance into topics that desperately need it. This audio is going to sound a little different than it normally does. Most of the episode is not going to sound at the same level of quality as this introduction, so I'm recording this after the fact just to give a heads up with that. I recorded this while I was out of town on Skype. I did not have my formal microphone with me, so I do apologize for that. I usually like to keep things at a higher level. But if you would like to watch the entire recording, video included, uh, Matthias and I did this, as I said, over Skype, so you can see my, uh, I think, rather cool outfit and my beret and my Christmas tree background and Matthias's cool background and him expressing himself while we speak, you can do that by subscribing to, I think, the Acolyte no, the uh, whatever the $9 tier and above is on my Patreon, the video is already available for watching on there. For now, this is obviously just the audio. Maybe I will get stuff on YouTube at some point. But uh, on this episode, we discuss a few different things. It's two hours of a very fascinating conversation. I will say, I think things do tend to kick into higher gear at around 20 minutes in, so it's not that the first 20 minutes is boring, but if you want things to get, uh, if you want to jump to where things start to get spicy and colorful, I think, I, I distinctly remember having a sense that, oh, this is getting fun at around the 20 minute mark. So if that is of interest to you, now you know. Um, as I said, videos available on Patreon, otherwise, Enjoy this episode. Thank you for listening. This is a culture wars. This is where I try to inject nuance into conversations that desperately need it. That's something we're pretty short on. So that is what we're going to get into today. We're going to talk about basically that title exactly of the culture war, as it were, how that has permeated the occult and pagan community. I increasingly dislike that word for this movement. We're not a community. Sorry, not sorry, guys. Um, so I think people know who I am, hopefully, on my own show. So could you please introduce yourself? I don't want to leave anything out, so I think it's best if you do. Sure, yeah. No, my name is Matthias Nordvig. I am a author, a scholar, and an educator. Um, and a lot of other things. Also, a what you could call a heathen, <laughs> in the sense that uh, I I have I was raised in the uh, tradition of Alsa Trun, so the Scandinavian belief system, um, pre-Christian or revived pre-Christian belief system. Um, and I'm also from Scandinavia, so so that's part of it. But aside from that, I teach. Uh, Old Norse mythology and Viking stuff, witchcraft and such things at the University of Colorado Boulder and write books about being um, also true or heathen and also, of course, write research and, and, and such things. So you can find my stuff anywhere if you Google my name at this point. <laughs> um, and um, I also run the... Um, uh, or I'm a co-host co at the on the uh, Nordic Mythology podcast, 
Um, we're actually uh, tomorrow, um, Thursday, the 8th or 9th? What, what date? I think. The 9th of December, 2021. We're coming out with a uh, with a um, episode where we have a discussion with a Sami shaman about cultural appropriation. So, yeah. Um, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely be listening to that. That's something that's been going around a little bit, and I'm sure we'll get into later in this about cultural appropriation versus cultural exchange and such things. So before uh, I put the carriage before the horse, I feel like we wanna we wanted to start talking on um, you know why people are drawn to he not just heathenry but paganism in 2021, how that is. Uh, influencing and sort of shaping the world, the realm of paganism and heathenry today. Um, these are definitely not the same things, but we get lumped in with each other all the time anyways. Um, so let's well, see. They are, they are and they aren't, right? I mean, in many ways, there, there's a lot of overlaps. And in many ways, there are also like, you know, people maintain some, some you know, hard differences, I would say. <laughs> Certainly. I mean, I think a, a quick uh, description would just be heathens are pagan, but not all pagans are heathen. It's the same thing with uh, not all witches are Wiccan, blah, blah, blah. People get the idea. Yeah. Um, but I feel like something that you and I definitely discussed is the various driving factors for why people get involved in on a pagan path for whatever reason, whether that's a cultural connection uh, trying to connect with their heritage, whether that's just a general spiritual calling, uh, whether that is trying to build a sense of community and initiation that is missing from modern society in 2021. And, you know, people's different motivations and how those show up in the community is a lot of how we get into these weird cultural and, you know, sometimes political uh, heated conversations with each other where we get into heated issues with each other um that's why i just like to start out and say i don't think there is a we we can we can get into that later but that's why i don't say our there is no us so i'll start off with that <laughs> yeah um first of all is there an us um to a to a degree i think there is um, and and to a degree, I definitely agree with you that that it's a very fragmented us, if anything, right? But but if there is, if in any way there's an us, um, there's definitely the us that are having the conversations, right? Yeah. So 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 even even if um, it, it, even if there's there's a big difference between what it means for me to be heathen or, or for you to be heathen, and then some some someone that you're talking to, right? Um, at some point, you found each other, right? Through, uh, if nothing else, these um, labels and ideas that are attached to the labels. So, so in that sense, I think there's an us, um, but but it's an us that um, you know is just as a fragment, I think, uh, fragmented as as a contemporary American culture, right? Because the discussions that people are having and especially the heated arguments that people are having reflect generally what is happening in the broader uh, cultural context of the United States, right? And also, you know, other places in the world, Western Europe also has similar um, 
discussions and and um, and heated arguments, <laughs> but mm -hmm. uh, but I think, of course, they take they take place uh, premised on on the cultural context that they happen in over there, right? Um, so so yeah, there's 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 an us of some kind, but but the the um, that doesn't mean that that us can't very easily, you know, fall apart and then go in different directions, right? Totally. I mean, there's there's this idea of modern paganism as like a big tent where people, you know, have different ideas, have different backgrounds, but can come together under, okay, we have many gods, we are not Christian, what have you. Um, I just think, you know, like you are saying, it has become, <laughs> I think it always was so splintered that it is an illustration of the current cultural landscape. It's just more, it's more amplified because this is people in whatever way trying to actively answer that question of, you know, like, what do we do with the lack of X, Y, and Z in uh, society, whether what people want is community or ritual or a sense of, you know, there are no rites of passage specifically for men, like trying to create that where it isn't there. Um, so I personally am very big on not framing every aspect of one's personal life in political terms. I think it's damaging. However, it is easy, it is easy to see why it would become so heatedly political for so many people because there is this rather, like we're talking about how current paganism reflects the cultural landscape, and there is this pretty extreme rise in identity politics on both sides. You know, like I think we talked about, we, we've spoken about everyone from like, there's these, I find them very cringy. You don't have to say it, so I'm going to. Uh, there's all these like pictures and videos of like these very far left individuals who are like, making shield walls out of cardboard shields in their backyard and like putting Black Lives Matter flags on it and putting the LGBT flag on it and talking about how the shield walls for everyone. And I'm like, this was never some kind of Unitarian Universalist religion, like straight up. Um, and I think all that is well and good if those are your beliefs, but you are clearly using this to try and prove a point because to a degree, again, I understand wanting to form a relationship with an archetype that you feel is missing. And there is something to a strong, you know, protective uh, male figure. And I think that's why a lot of people are very drawn to this Viking symbol, which might or might not, you know, have been super accurate to history, but anyway. And then on the total other side of it, you have uh, actual white supremacists, you have, you know, the AFA, you have these very regressive, like what we would call trad cons, traditional conservatives. And personally, I see both of them as repugnant. But uh, <laughs> let me see where the actual question was instead of me just ranting here. Um, how do we how do we maintain having a productive conversation, at least? And how can we? How do I put this? What's, what are your thoughts on like keeping both the way we practice and the way we talk with other pagans, to say the least, uh, productive and not just devolving into that kind of tribalism? Well, I mean, the first, the first thing that needs to be present in, in having um, conversations with people that see the world very differently 
is that there needs there needs to be a, a basic acceptance that um, that you exist in the space, I exist in the space, and there is room for us both, right? Yeah. Um, and this is where it gets really complicated with um, with the white supremacists because they 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 have a basic idea about uh, there there is not room for certain people in this space, right? Yeah. So that also makes it very uh, problematic to even have a conversation with them about these things. Yeah. Um, um, this I would say is generally different with the left wing, except of course. If you, you know, with the radical types, if you, if you say something that they don't like, then they're just as bad as the white supremacists. It's just another, you know, another reason that they find to to ostracize you, right? I mean, uh, there, there are people who are very loud and noisy about being heathens and how they represent true heathenry, um, and openly say things like uh, whiteness abolitionist and all this crazy shit. And it's like, if you don't, if you're not on board with that, then, you know, you're a fascist or this and that. And it's like, okay, obviously political disagreements are not the same as excluding someone for the color of their skin or their background. But, um, you know, no, both of these things, where I say they're equally repugnant to me, is that neither of these things are spiritually motivated from where I'm sitting. Both of these things are just window dressing for pre-existing biases and tr and just propaganda like on both sides you're propagandizing with symbols that appeal to people's need for spirituality um absolutely yeah. no I, I i i couldn't agree more with that but there, there, there's definitely a lot of window dressing going on there's definitely a lot of 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 people who who are using these symbols to advance a a a political position yeah. Um, uh, uh, that, um, you know, doesn't necessarily have much to do with investigating a personal spirituality uh, or a group spirituality for that matter, you know, yeah. actually building a group around spirituality. And this is actually a, a problem that has existed in um, heathenry associated with northern europe for a very long time you know you, it, you because there are groups whose agenda is white supremacy right and there are individuals who have that agenda and so the response is then um on the other side to simply like establish groups with the opposing political agenda right, right. and that what 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 we never get to do really mm -hmm. Is to to form groups based around uh, a spiritual outlook, or a relationship to uh, deities, or you know a a way of doing ritual. Right. Um, and that's not to say that you know I I wish there was s some sort of like accept acceptance of white supremacists and. Right. No, absolutely not. Yeah simply a function of of the problem that we have that that this this uh, intellectual material is you know attached to uh, to to a history of white supremacy right um, so 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 that's incredibly problematic for actually like developing a viable living praxis and this is why I think you know you're you're right in saying there's no we there's no us right because we we never got to the point where we got to actually, um, create 
a a flourishing religion because it always gets like bogged down in uh, politics. And I say religion in the sense of of a viable living spirituality with rituals and and people who are trusted as as also as authorities, right? That's mm -hmm. an issue that we also have. Like very few people are trusted as 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 authorities, and and there's usually there's usually somebody who has beef with somebody out there, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> So that's another another structural issue that uh, that that really is lagging too, because I mean, and this is this is where it gets really difficult too, because there are uh, chauvinists and supremacists in other religions, right? Yeah. Uh, you can find that among Jews, you can find that among Christians, you can find that anywhere, and quite often these these religions do not seem to have the same problems that we do with this. Right. I mean, they do have a lot of problems in different ways and and are working out those things in their own ways. But it's interesting to see that, you know, Christians don't deny that white supremacists can be Christians. That, that doesn't necessarily mean that they like them, right? right? But they don't deny that. This is a big thing that I have and like that actually it opens up a few different points of conversation that I do want to get your input on as well, where for one, um, part of my issue with the rhetoric around acting like there is a we is, you know, the issue of what to do around white supremacists, around racists, around people who are there for a hateful agenda. And, you know, people have this very ignorant, out of touch attitude of like, uh, you know, I understand the simplicity of saying stuff like no fruit with fascists and, you know, basically fuck all white supremacists, da da da. But for one, um, what makes you think those people are going to listen to someone like me? What makes you think they're going to listen to you if you're a foaming at the mouth SJW? They're going to laugh at you. Um, and what that effectively translates into, and this is why I want to talk about, you know, how to have a productive, practical approach to all of this just to start with, is I'm going to make the controversial statement that there are not as many conscious white supremacists, actual white supremacists in America as people like to act like there are. There are not as many Nazis as people act like there are. So what you're actually doing when you make those kind of statements is being as hostile as possible to anyone who is remotely to the right of you, whether that's in the center, whether that's someone who, like me who doesn't affiliate with any party or people who are at all right of center. As if, you know, if you're a libertarian, if you're an anarchist that isn't, a, again, isn't an SJW, that that's akin to fascism. So be as hostile as possible. And it's like, yeah, this is why we're going to continue to have problems as long as we continue. Like, I follow very, like, I, I try and keep my finger on the pulse of, like, where is paganism right now online in real life, whatever. People are endlessly having these brain dead conversations about various like identity political issues and very rarely talking about the practicalities of actual ritual or the craft or you know like i personally don't love technology and ai i'm very pro-human um i will not eat the bugs but we could be talking about like okay there's vr what if you were doing like the lesser banishing ritual the pentagram in vr and you could see it like incorporating technology with you know like 
there were interesting conversations we could be having. And like you were mentioning too, um, you didn't use the word elder, but I would say that's what we have an issue with is I've spoken about this with a few different pagans. We used to have um, sort of the coven structure with witches and pagans, especially in America and in the UK. And as you know, more information has come out, um, you know, it's a combination of more information is more easily accessible. And we were running out of elders to initiate people, even like in the late 70s and in the 80s. So at this point, we're kind of like a this rudderless movement that doesn't really even agree on what an elder is, let alone have elders. And like, if you pick a specific tradition, like I've basically, I'm hitching myself with Druidry at this point. Um, it makes the most sense for me. And I like the emphasis on research and living practice. I think that's a good combo. Um, but even in that world, I mean, the only elders we have, bless them, are getting older and like, don't have the time or interest to sit around mentoring people. So this is where like, I talk about the need for initiation a lot because we need fucking adults. We need elders. We need people who can do that. And the kind of the current landscape that we're talking about where there's all these people who are like whining and crying and like always this obsession with validation that's a reason it's because we are a in my from my view um a country that's stuck in this regressive childish mind state so i'm not trying to utterly shit on anyone by saying that um because it sucks and you have to work through it but we can't stay here and you know, this is where I just, I think I said before I started recording, like, I'm not going to waste time with softball questions because there are people who are craving real conversations. They want to talk about this stuff. I have people PM me all the time and be like, holy shit, thank God someone is saying like half of what you're saying. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to rant too much, but yeah, staying productive, staying practical. Yeah, no, and and you know this that it what you're saying is is very true, right? Um, what we're dealing with right now is a crisis of culture, and and that is a an encompassing problem in in America right now. Yeah, um, that has been brought on by a lot of different processes, culturally, politically, religiously, you know, all of these things. Um, um, there are some who uh, see it as as like a demise of, of American culture, um, and there are others that that see it as a uh, persisting um, racist system, uh, and you know that's like two extreme <laughs> ways that that is that this whatever this country is right now is, is being is being interpreted as right. Um, and what we're dealing with is, is essentially a, um, a, a, a situation where a, a, a country, a culture is moving from, from A to B, right? Mm -hmm. And anybody who knows anything about initiation rights also knows that that is the most dangerous situation to be in, right? Yeah. Once you've left your, the comfort zone and you've moved into um, the, well, you know, what is often in mythology cast as the underworld, right? Yes. The, the liminal space, right? That's where we're at. Um, we're, we're in an initiation phase and we will come out on the other side 
in different from from where we began, which is incredibly um, interesting uh, to and fascinating to to observe and be part of, and at <laughs> the time also fucking scary because <laughs> because that's the, that's also the thing about the liminal phase right you don't know if you're going to survive and um this is uh, first of all what a lot of people aren't ready for they have not gone through such rituals themselves so they're lacking the capacity to to handle it yeah. um i don't think it's even a point of conversation anymore that's what's odd is you know people who maybe like a generation or I would say safely two generations of witches and pagans above me. Um, you know, it was a concept because people, you know, were in working groups more often, if not actual covens and the idea of getting initiated or getting a degree or what have you, that was something that was relevant, um, to the culture that, you know, people had created at the time. And now this is why, like, I probably look like a hater, just, you know, some mean bitch to some people. But it's an issue when the talking points that we're always going on and on about is trauma, this endless fixation. And that's a word that I'm not just being a dick. Like, it bothers me that people throw that word around so much because it means something. And when you cheapen it, you're taking away from the real meaning. And also, like, that isn't what we're doing here. We're not sitting here to endlessly, like, live in our own festering wounds. The point should be growth. And the point is not growth anymore. Um, and this whole identity politics thing is an extension of that. So but the point yeah. the, the point is is really the opposite of growth at this point. And that's again broadly culturally in America. What we're seeing are, are people who are uh, decidedly trying to deconstruct, to destruct, right? To bring down, to tear down. Yeah. Um, and again. That can have positive uh, effects out there in the world. I want to say the same thing about trauma. Trauma can also be a uh, gateway to knowledge and understanding. Um, so, so again, you know, if you're really focused about uh, on on like avoiding trauma or casting everything as trauma, then you you might just be stupid. Honestly, right? There's a lot of just fucking stupid people out there. I'm sorry to say it, but. It is interesting that you kind of bring up this, uh, I can't remember the name for it in Latin of the, uh, in the alchemical like process of, you know, turning lead into gold, uh, because John Beckett, who's one of the few, uh, current elders that I'm aware of in Druidry, I would consider him an elder with respect. Um, he talks, he's been talking for years about this idea of tower time and anyone who's familiar with the tarot get knows what the tower is. It is when, you know, the foundation built on lies and bullshit is suddenly struck by the heavens, struck by the gods, and has no choice but to fall apart. Um, I don't, and again, that's a scary symbol, but it's not inherently bad if you can take the lessons from it. And that kind of leads into a question that, you know, I think we had really wanted to get into is, you know, we're talking about these examples of extremities on both sides of these very, like, you know, I would call regressive traditional conservatives who want to recreate the 1950s on one side. And then you have these ra <laughs> uh, rabid accelerationist, almost like far left people who are very postmodernist and want to basically destroy structure wherever they see it. There's all this uh, pressure on dismantling. I think that language is not an accident. Um, 
And where I'm kind of saying, and I, I feel like the what I've gathered from speaking with you is like, what if we can learn from both? Like what's wrong with, how about we just be in here? How about not postmodern and not in the past? What about right now and learning the lessons that we can um, from the past and the value from that? Cause that's, you know, that's part of why I'm pagan. Um, but maybe don't destroy everything that we've consciously built as humans over centuries, because there's a reason that we did that, maybe. <laughs> no, that's the thing. And, you know, it's 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 funny you say that because it's just a couple of days ago that I had to tell somebody that tradition is good. Yeah. It's good to have traditions. Yeah. Um, there, this was somebody who... <laughs> I mean, you're sitting next to a Christmas tree with an angel on top, and you know, I don't, I don't know if if there would be any pagan looking that be like, why, why does she have that? <laughs> Something like that. That's a Christian symbol. Um, and and this was exactly the same situation I ran into. So some some pagan asked me questions about uh, the Christmas tree <laughs> that I have. It's like, oh, why do you have a Christmas tree? That's like a Christian tradition. Blah 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 blah. And I'm like. Yeah, well, dude, I don't give a shit. That's <laughs> tradition that that I like. You know what? I, I I come from a predominantly Christian culture, yeah. and and that's a tradition I've grown up with. You know, having a Christmas tree, and you know, I could put a star on top of it, which I will at some point when I find the one, the proper one. I have a really ugly one right now, so I'm not putting that uh. one. Right. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes it's okay. To just you, you know, um, uh, 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 adhere a little bit to tradition, and there's nothing wrong in in being generally conservative. You know, there's also nothing wrong in in wanting to create new things and bring new things into the world. Uh, also, sometimes wanting to uh, completely steer away from from a tradition and then you know create your own there's, there's there's nothing wrong in either position there's room for both that's that that's <laughs> that's my argument you know there's room for both and, and and oddly there's room for both in me as a person right totally. um because because i'm not i'm not bound to to like some some self conception um that uh, that casts me as a conservative guy right. or or a progressive guy. I am very progressive on certain things. I'm very conservative on certain things. I'm very conservative in an American sense about some things, and I'm uh, those things that I would be conservative in an American sense about actually translate to very liberal things in Europe. Totally. We're not <laughs> even aware of that. I feel like that's not even part of the conversation a lot of the time. And I think it is important. Um, you're bringing up this idea. I think George Lakoff or Jonathan Haidt, I cannot remember, um, talk about this idea of people who are like bi-conceptual, might be the word. Uh, it shouldn't even have to be a word. It's just the concept that uh, people can hold uh, what might appear to be differing views depending on the topic, depending on the context. Like we have the, you know, maybe the most commonly recognized one is, uh, you know, socially liberal, fiscally conservative, yada, yada, um, you know, or just, different issues get to be taken on a case-by-case -case basis but especially in the sphere of pagans and so-called i'm really bitchy today um <laughs> and witches um, get bitchy <laughs> thank you 
people have been touching my patients and I'm sober. Um, you know, for people that, then this is what really irks me and confuses me is people who supposedly uh, should have an inherent grasp of figurative truth, mythological truth, symbolism, not literality, not dogma, don't understand, like they're very fundamentalist thinkers. A lot of the people whose ideas I have problems with. And there's this big, again, I'm sorry, SJW attitude of like, no, you can't feel differently about different things. You're either a hundred percent, you're a fascist sympathizer or you're fighting the good fight. And it's like, you guys are so desperate to feel like you matter that you're creating this drama that doesn't actually exist to the point where you are memeing it into reality, um, which I don't fucking appreciate. And it's gotten to the point a couple of times where I'm like, should I just bow out? Like, should I just have my own private practice and mind my own business and just focus on, you know, being an actual pagan in real life and forgetting the internet? And someone was like, hey, you called yourself outlaw priestess. You you don't get to go hide. <laughs> like, you go fucking deal with it. And that's a fair comment. I don't get to pick a title that's pretentious and, like, not <laughs> try to do something with it. Um, so I think it is important for, you know, people who refuse to cave to that to just say hey uh no that's not what this is you guys can bring your bullshit in your games all you want but that is not it. to go back to actual paganism that's not what the path is in almost any tradition although and i've talked about this a couple times before like if any of these people read a fucking book like you would be able to see where the seeds of this kind of social justice as religion started like in the 70s with Z Budapest and Dianic Wicca, um, where it was women only male exclusionary, um, you know, only women can be the goddess and all kinds of shit like that. Um, and that continued into, I don't have as much of a beef with Starhawk, but you have like Starhawk starting with like just environmentalism as paganism in the 90s. And, you know, to, I will give her some credit. I think if there's any political cause that makes sense for pagans to ally with on the basis of religion environmentalism makes sense uh so i'm not i'm never gonna fight anyone on that but that's the only one everything else i refuse to you can have those beliefs they can matter to you but if we cannot distinguish where uh political positions start and religion begins this is why we're in a swamp right now this is why no one can have a conversation that's worth a damn until you can at least distinguish these things. So the only upside of people being as hardline about it as they are is I can kind of look at certain people and be like, okay, there is no difference to you. Your religion is your politics is your religion. So I won't even try. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, that, that's, uh, that, 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 that makes a lot of sense. And um, I'll, I'll definitely agree with you that, that uh, environmentalism as a, as a political cause is, it, it, you know, should be inherent to any anybody who considers himself pagan or heathen or anything like that, because, um, well, <laughs> our gods and we would not exist <laughs> without. Pretty important. It's kind of crucial. <laughs> yeah, um, and 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 yeah, it's it. You know, just I, have, oh. I have been called. Um, what was it? A liberal Jewish cook. <laughs> and what? yeah, 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 yeah. And and um, 
a couple of weeks later or something like that, a racist boomer. Amazing. Uh, Full circle. That just tells you, you know, just just how how far uh, these things go and, and like how extreme um, they, they can be in the the the, the liberal Jewish cock mark, um, um, remark was uh, was in relation to to me telling racists to go fuck themselves. <laughs> you know what? That it's is controversial, <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, uh, you know, it, it, uh, by the way, I want to say that you know, telling somebody to go fuck themselves is is also to care, um, because if, if they go masturbate, they might actually have a better time. <laughs> right now and that might make them happier so Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and on the other the the, the other thing that the the, the 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 racist boomer that that was because i i dared to have you know a more nuanced view on the subject of dreadlocks wow that's <laughs> yeah. so easy right um and and uh, i'm not going to go into the whole discussion of why why there's like a lot of complications in saying that you know white people having locked hair is 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 a uh um in, is cultural appropriation but but there's um um there, there was a discussion where where i just delivered a couple of historical facts on 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 uh, population groups um outside of the african continent and with other skin colors having hair too and that that was that did not fly <laughs> it's, it's all or nothing it's completely black and white thinking and this is where again like the same way that bandying about the word trauma from everything to actual like cult abuse to a unpleasant experience or like a minor inconvenience it's damaging the same way that i can understand like the the basic concept with the dreadlocks of hey uh, it's not awesome that white people get to just like walk around with dreadlocks and, you know, not always be told that they're being unprofessional, you know, not, uh, get looked at a certain way cause it's, cause it's not their natural hair. Like I get it. Like with black people who have a hair of that texture, they can't control it. It's not an aesthetic choice. Like it's just how their hair grows versus like, Hey, some hippie dude just doing it. But that doesn't mean I understand saying, Hey, that's kind of not awesome. But taking that to, you are a fucking Nazi, you're a white supremacist, you're whatever. It's like, hey, there's degrees. Like, there's grades to that. But there's also another aspect to this, and that is the fact that, you know, all hair actually does tangle up at some point if you, if you don't uh, comb it. So so the argument that this is something that's natural to uh, the, the, the fine curls that uh, um, uh, African-Americans, for instance, have, right? Um, yeah. That that that's not a viable argument. It's not it's not acceptable right. um, because it also it you know it hinges on race essentialism, basically saying that oh this particular race is prone to do uh, doing something. That's really right. fucking problematic, people. Even if you're left wing and you yeah. say it's it's really fucking problematic to 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 say that cultural products of various kinds belong to a certain race. That's yeah. that's exactly what the Nazis did. That, that's exactly what what the proto Nazis uh, before the actual Nazis did, right? This this was the main argument. Look, in Europe in the late nineteenth century, there was like uh, uh, scholars who claimed that it was natural for the Aryan white northern race to wear their jewelry around their neck, like women, uh, whereas it, uh, the 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 
darker, uh, less Aryan Southern European race, because mm -hmm. that distinction for some reason, uh, they would wear them in their hair and in their ears, right? Yeah. And that was like, that was natural to the races to do that, right? What <laughs> bullshit is that? Yeah. <laughs> and now, now we then have that with dreadlocks, right? And that's, and, and, and it's not the far right that's advancing that one, it's the far left, right? Yeah. And that tells you a little bit about how, you know, we have, uh, we have cultural historical amnesia apparently like we we don't remember what happened you know um you know 80 90 years ago we we we've completely forgotten um just how fucked up the situation of anthropology if you can call it that uh, was at the time right and and um and then some will say oh well you know this is this is for a good cause or something like that no, it's, no these things are never for a good cause because the result is never going to be good thank you that's, that's the that's the problem here we, we're that's never going great. to get to a point where where that is that is a you know positive result because because flip the script and this is where you know we're looking at you know the far right and their fear of of you know um the we have the myth of white genocide, the fear that white people will disappear and all that stuff. Well, you know, if if the, the left is advancing race essentialist arguments. It justifies, yeah. Well, not justifies, it eggs it on. Yeah, it eggs it on. We're getting, we're getting to a point then where, where some of their fears may be justified, right? Like, you know, you can, uh, you can see situations where, um, and and I'm by no means an apologist for 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 the white genocide genocide myth or anything like that. So right. don't take what I'm saying as as anything that has uh, that supports that idea, because um, I, you know, I I don't even care <laughs> honestly. <laughs> if white skin doesn't exist in a couple of hundred years, fine, I don't care. That <laughs> that I I have no attachment to that. Um, but. Um, but but the, uh, there are situations nowadays where you know you, you can see kids um, uh, you know teasing each other and talking to each other and uh, you know and and you know using you know somebody being white as being lame you know that's a change in discourse too which is again incredibly dangerous you know in long lame like it starts with lame and then it goes into evil yeah. like all white people are white supremacists, which let's just be honest, when they say white supremacists or fascist, what they mean is evil, like demonic, like a Christian saying demonic and them saying that is basically the same thing. And I do really appreciate you uh, bringing up the issue of race essentialism itself being a problem no matter who is wielding it, no matter what, like that in itself is bullshit and should not be promoted in any way. Um, and there is this this really does tie into a lot of our issues of this like rudderless movement right now, because where we lack in elders, we absolutely more than make up for and overcompensate in ideology. And where we don't understand what a real elder is, we have this new religion of wokeness talking about what gives people legitimacy and validity, which I fucking hate that concept, is are you a person of color? If not, shut the fuck up, 
when a black person is talking and it's like, oh, you're giving Richard Spencer more ammunition by the day. And right. even people like myself, like you, that want nothing to do with those motherfuckers at all, it's like, yeah, that's also not, I'm not participating in that. I don't care what you call me. I'm not participating in a racial hierarchy where I sit down and shut up and speak when I'm spoken to. That's, because when you put it in those terms, um, in honest terms, it makes it pretty clear what it actually is. And, you know, people act, again, with the race essentialism in this whole thing, in this ideology, they act like 100% of all black people are in agreement on this. And there's a hive mind of people of color and they don't think for themselves and they have no other opinions. And it's like, look at people like Daryl Davis or John McCorder or look up the, uh, I think the Fair Foundation for Tolerance. There are impressive, like, other uh, ideas and thoughts <laughs> that are not in line and you can't make the excuse like but that's the thing i mean that's where it is a self-fulfilling religion where anytime a black person disagrees with the narrative it's um you are the black face of white supremacy and it's like isn't that just a new way of saying uh an uncle tom or calling someone a coon or whatever it is because that's been happening for a long time or you're acting white and i this is just i could keep going about this but what the second that you know, I started saying things like, hey, I'm not sticking around for feminism if it's just hatred of men. I'm not participating. I don't like the casual misandry, the constant kill all men jokes or men are trash or men are worthless. I'm not participating. I disagree. I think it's a shit idea. And the second I started saying, hey, treat men have dignity. We are all people. Um, I started getting looked at. I literally was accused of being a MRA incel uh, apologist. And it's like, fuck you. Like the, fundamental, the fundamentalism is the problem. The dogma is the problem. So when we go into movements like paganism, part of that is a desire for complexity. We want, you know, different shades. We want nuance. So I'm well, over. That's such a, such a good point. And it's like, um, there, 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 <laughs> there's so many changes to that you can, <laughs> follow on the, this one um, and um, it, it, to, to speak to this uh, subject of like gender um, in all of this I, I, I very much agree with you and then, and I think it's incredibly problematic that um, um, like it has gone from being you know a situation where uh, we are open to individuals who um, change gender and identify with different genders to well now there's no room for uh, some dude who wants to be like masculine about things or you know masculine in a certain way right mm -hmm. because it, i would say it's more than anything you know what we what we identify as masculinity is masculinity in a certain way right but like uh it, you know it's it it if oh if if you like to shoot guns smoke cigars and and drink whiskey then you're evil it's like what the fuck <laughs> like come over the bar for like things to get mad at and you're reminding me someone asked us if we could talk about our input on the idea of the divine masculine and the divine feminine like the idea of like the sacred polarity and what have you um and I do, if you are down, I would love to get into, you know, that, especially in the context of paganism. And also, 
you know, what you're talking about, um, this sort of knee-jerk reaction that people have against any form of masculinity, regardless of whether it's damaging or not, um, you know, there's this idea of toxic masculinity. Uh, the Psychology Association of America thinks that all masculinity is toxic and damaging. Um, where am I going with this? Da, 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 da. <laughs> Give me a second. Um, oof. Oh, okay. Now I remember. Yeah. There is, if we were to actually have this conversation in a way that is not in the fucking kiddie pool, you know, there is the toxic masculine. What, you know, in Jungian psych and in archetypal psych and, you know, in mythology, there is the shadow. There is, uh, I, so I love uh, Young and I love the work of Robert Moore. And he co-wrote uh, an incredible book, I think everyone should read, called King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, where he talks about those as the four uh, mature masculine archetypes. And every single chapter, there's, you know, the evolved, the, like, healthy king, and then he'll get into the shadow king, which will be, like, the tyrant, the high chair tyrant of someone who's internally childish. They rule from a place of emotional tyranny and control. And... I'm never gonna not. I'm never gonna deny that that exists, but to equate that with masculinity wholesale is bullshit. And you're not trying to help anyone by by doing that. And there is the same thing with femininity. There is toxic femininity the same way that there's. You know, I like the wild woman archetype. I like um, mother maiden crown. Not everyone has to like that. I don't fucking care if you don't. Um, the wild woman kind of stands outside of that because it encompasses all points of the progress. But, you know, yeah. Okay, so so you have you have a situation where you you're having a conversation with uh, a bunch of um, SJWs out there who who are like, um, you know, um, a, let, let's just uh, the pro pro LGBTQIA plus and all of that stuff, right? And and you say the wrong thing, and then you get piled on by by all of these angry types, right? I mean, isn't masculinity culturally in this context always associated with aggression? So so what what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like so, so that that's that's what we usually see right a, a cultural tendency to associate masculinity with aggression look there's a lot of problems with masculinity in in america um i i can see that all the time usually those problems though come from um, insecurity about masculinity not toxic masculinity or masculinity in and of itself but people who you know in my personal colloquial lack dicks <laughs> like men who 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 don't don't have don't have the the masculine presence to be proper masculine like um you know if if your only response to uh, to to any kind of issue or problem is just aggression that that that's not masculine that's just being a fuckwit you know <laughs> so 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 that's something to take into consideration that that everything that we associate with masculinity in this cultural context is defined by this cultural context right and there are some people out there who are trying to change this for the better and some who are trying to change it for the worse right um the the group of people out there who is casting everything as toxic masculinity aren't 
aren't doing anybody any favors. Um, but in the same way, uh, the group of people out there who are trying to maintain an idea of masculinity as as this uh, guy who is, you know, constantly ready to be violent. They, they aren't doing anybody any favors either, right? Right. They reinforce each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, violence isn't the only expression of masculinity. Absolutely not. It is an expression of masculinity. But you know what? It's also an expression of femininity. Sure. We also see women being violent, and 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 that is also a historical uh, uh, phenomenon. And female aggression is also a a well established concept, I would say, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and so the, the the fact that the matter is that people are all over the map with this stuff, trying to just like fit it into stereotypical categories, right? Like what? What is the argument about oh women being too emotional to not being to not be being capable leaders? What is that all about? Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, is there any difference between between that idea and then the the concept of the, the of male aggression? I, I I don't really see a, a distinction here. No, what what we have um, what we have is is. Um, is a tendency to cultivate um, stereotypes of, of masculinity and femininity in this cultural matrix that hasn't that hasn't come up with anything new since the 1950s. Like that's the real problem. We just haven't been creative and inventive enough, like uh, progressive enough, and to to actually try to think outside of the box, right? Um, and again, the, uh, uh, the, 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 these movements that, that are focused on uh, transgenders and, 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 and uh, reconceptualizing gender as such and all that stuff, they aren't being particularly creative about anything either, right? I strongly agree with that in a lot of cases, like a lot, like the idea that we're getting to this point where people identify someone as transgender or not based on literal sexist stereotypes. Like I've talked about this and been really frustrated about it because this is the opposite of everything that especially, you wanna talk about feminism, it's the opposite of everything that women fought for is to not be these stereotypes where femininity is defined by being submissive. I don't have the inclination or time to argue that all day long, but I vehemently obviously disagree with that. It's very limiting. It's it's just an ignorant uh, reduction of what it is. That's again why I love the wild woman archetype is because it has everything in it. Um, but it's what it, like I, for example, I love lifting weights. Um, it's something that's been important to me for maybe a year, almost two years. I don't know. Um, you know, I lift weights. I tend to be assertive. Um, I have traits that if you're a sexist, like regressive person that defines people by stereotypes, I'm rather masculine, but I am, I love being a woman. Like I'm super happy with it. It's something I absolutely align with and identify with. Uh, so I'm not about to like sit here and agree with people making like, oh, cause I'm assertive and sometimes dominant and sometimes, you know, and I like lifting weights or whatever that I'm, you know, either a man in denial or non-binary. I mean, because that even, that's woking yourself back to Freud and, and penis envy. Like, we somehow, yeah.
<laughs> very much not the case. Yeah. No, exactly. And 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 in the same way, I like, you know what, I'm I'm really happy to be, you know, somewhat masculine. I, I consider myself somebody who cultivates uh certain masculine uh traits um and and you know uh, i like doing that you know um and and uh, uh you know they uh, my 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 personal gender expression uh is you know is sometimes read i have noticed by others as as like you know somewhat extreme masculine um, or, or scary masculine or something like that. Tattoos everywhere and, you know, broad shoulders and shit like that. Um, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. You, you know what? Um, on, on the other hand, um, I mean, the, 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 the forceful, strong, dominant woman is exactly the, the kind of person that, that, that I'm attracted to. Right. So as, as this, you know, man who cultivates masculinity, I'm not looking for some, you know, meek, uh, <laughs> female partner that, that will be submissive and all that stuff. Right. Um, because my, 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 my personal ideas of, you know, how, how genders work and all that stuff just doesn't look for that, 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 that means nothing to me. So other like, uh, Georgina Rose, who um, I love her opinions on things, and we've talked about this a couple times, uh, of like cursed horseshoe theory, where like, you know, people are so opposite that they come to the same conclusion, and that's another one of them, where there are the kind of like far-right um, show, just chauvinist, like I don't even want to say traditional conservative, because I don't, I don't actually think that misogyny and conservatism are necessarily the same thing. Um, I, you know, I'm conservative in plenty of ways. I think misogyny is weak behavior, um, yeah. you know, but people who are like that, who basically want to marry a maid, it's I, it's funny because you go on the other side and there's, you know, like these hyper masculine women and like there's the whole thing of like fanboys and like skinny Twinkie looking guys in maid uniforms. That's like actually a really big thing right now. And I'm like, so you both just want fucking mates. Like you can hire someone for that. <laughs> you don't need to like make it your whole relationship. I'm not here to judge because like if that's what you both want, cool. But when you start making definitive statements about this is what being masculine and feminine are, um, uh, this I would say again, this is why I went to polytheism. It's because I was looking for more examples of the powerful feminine that weren't just like this, you know, this uh, put upon creature because it isn't compatible with history. You've brought up, you know, women have the capacity to be violent. If you want to be, you know, uh, uh, foundational, stereotypical sounds dismissive. If you want to be, you know, kind of conventional about it, you could say like, when our families are threatened, like that's the quickest way to get to female aggression. Absolutely, I think everyone would agree on that. Look at female bears, they will kill you. Um, you know, and from that to people, it, it's just, it's interesting because it's like people who don't understand that these are spiritual ideas. It's secular people trying to have a spiritual conversation without knowing it. Because the concept of like masculinity being active and also related to structure and order and strength and femininity being related to chaos and liminality and 
you know, like change, uh, where people sort of cast that off as hysteria or being too emotional, but the world of emotionality. But if you say I'm also cast femininity as passive, right? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but those are magical ideas, like those are spiritual concepts. So it's really interesting to me to see people again on like both sides of the aisle taking all that stuff as dogma, as if it's, you know, not meant to be understand understood in a more complex way. Like you're not supposed to just sit there and go, yes, this is a hundred percent literally true at all times. It's like, and this is where I think Jordan Peterson is treated as a cartoon caricature and not as a human being by a lot of people. And his fanboys unfortunately have like given his were kind of a bad name for a lot of people. I used to be one of them. And then I went and actually watched some of his lectures and read what he had to say. I'm like, this guy isn't that wild. He's like a, people just haven't spoken to a conservative in real life. They don't know what it's like to hear that. But, you know, I think people, and especially his misogynistic fans who he's disavowed for the record, like he doesn't stand for that shit. Um, they hear him saying things like, yeah, chaos is associated with a feminine go, women are chaotic, women are crazy bitches. And it's like, if you understood the context in which it's said in magic, we have a context in, in paganism, we have a context because chaos isn't just, you know, insanity. It is what spurs us forward in society. Chaos is what interrupts just being stagnant forever. And it's why I talk about uh, in ritual, I'm not the only one, just in ritual, uh, we talk about that moment of friction and chaos as where the magic actually happens. It's why we think of sacred space as being liminal because it is outside of order and you have to push against like, you know, sort of heaven and earth and heaven and hell and use that spirit of that chaos and harness it to create something. So in the con and he's a Jungian psychologist, like he's not just saying women are crazy. Um, so if we are going to, tap into these symbols and, you know, talk about feminine masculinity, look at the whole picture, look at the context of where these ideas come from. And as pagans, if not that, I don't even think people read mythology anymore, but if we do, we fucking know better because you see this, you can probably tell the story better than I can where Odin, you know, Freya teaches from, from what I gathered, he is taught by Freya, a form of magic, that is seen as inherently feminine and he basically <laughs> i see it as like he gets taunted and like called a fag for doing feminine magic and like for doing things that are considered feminine and he's like okay bet i'm gonna go like reconquer i'm gonna go re-earn the throne i'm gonna go be a man and you know show you guys you're being stupid this is my very dumbed down <laughs> drunk history version of events um but the funny thing is the okay. funny thing is that that the, the person or figure, the deity that is taunting him for being, you know, for engaging in femininity, right, mm -hmm. is Loki, who you know <laughs> <laughs> does the same thing. Like this, this is literally like uh, like 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 two dudes who have both you know dressed up in the in in the, in drag and like. <laughs> on stage too and everything and then afterwards they're like oh uh, yeah like yeah you dressed up as as a woman man like you're, you're like you're totally gay it's like yeah, not me though uh, <laughs> what up guys mm -hmm. yeah no this, this is um 
I think that's actually a really important context to the story too, or to this, to the the, the mythological complex in and of itself, that uh, there is some humor here that yeah. is lost on people. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of humor in these stories in general, and it's usually lost on people, and that's because they were written down like 800 years ago. So, and and they're from a different culture and all these things. But it's also because people don't know how to read mythology and as and approach the world with humor yeah. i mean <laughs> we're, we're talking about the subject and and um um i mean recently dave Chappelle was like uh canceled um and, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i think that's been happening over and over because he keeps he keeps poking. fans don't care like <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and 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 one of the, the the main thing that he was canceled for in the, his uh, last show on Netflix um, was was this story that he has about a, a um, transsexual person that he he knew a comedian who ended up you know killing themselves and. Um, and and he's he he uses that story and that uh, the the story of his relationship to to exactly bring that point through that that the infusion of humor into yeah. all of this is so incredibly important and what has really happened if 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 we can diagnose sort of like a a main trend with um with with the people who are sitting there uh, out there policing all of us and i'm probably going to cancel you and me by the way if they ever see this oh uh, i told people go ahead and like just cancel me in advance like don't ever think that i'm gonna adhere to anything like do it in advance before i say anything you don't like exactly right yeah and it's like but these people are the contemporary iteration of the the humorless, uh, uptight church moms from the eighties, you oh, know, Puritans before them. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Right. They, they're the ones who, who, who cannot understand that, um, going through creating a culture, yeah, yeah. that's really what, what we're doing now. Um, we have left the point where we had culture. Now we're at the point where we need to create new culture. Um, we're we're in the liminal phase, so to speak, uh, broadly, right? These people do not understand that you need to bring humor with you. You need to have humor. You need to laugh at yourself and yeah. others all the time. <laughs> like it's so, it's so important to 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 keep that in mind too, because that. That is, and um, and this is a this is something that we can see, and you know, if, if we're talking to this crowd too, like one of the, one of the things that they tend to, you know, lift up as a very uh, profound, uh, you know, cultures of knowledge and all that stuff, like indigenous cultures. Yeah, you know what indigenous cultures often do? Laugh at each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of becoming a man. You know, you're uh, you're you're being taunted and teased in different ways, and and by you know a lot of you know initiation rites have some aspect of physical abuse because you need to toughen up, right? 
you need to your body needs to understand that that life entails pain right yeah. that's that's part of the um process going from child to adult that's both for men and women um but what there's also uh, another component that's also there is the taunting because your 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 mind needs to understand that becoming an adult also means that sometimes you're ridiculous and you're going to be laughed at right that's also part of tough and this is something that is you know uh, those hyper masculinist types out there are kind of right sometimes when they say that you know, people need to toughen up in this society. No, we do. Uh, I them on that. Right. Um, and and part of that is is also and that's something that those hardcore masculinists have forgotten. You know, toughening up mentally and intellectually by being laughed at and being ridiculed. Yeah. Um, it's really important. You know, yeah. and somebody who who has actually you know experienced that in, in <laughs> growing up, right? Because I uh, I'm partly formed by an indigenous culture in in Greenland, the Inuit culture that, that I have experienced being laughed at, being ridiculed, uh, and those kinds of things. Like you know, when you're uh, one one situation was, for instance, uh, we 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 were out um, uh, hunting and. Uh, you're, um, you're dragging in a seal that has been shot in the water, and so you, uh, you know, you 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 go, you're gonna have to bring it into the boat, right? It's dead. Yes. And and uh, the the um, I was I was seven, eight, or something like that at the time, and the the adult in the boat, uh, and when when the when the seal that is like stone dead comes up to the um, to to the gunwale, the side of the boat, uh, and you're like reaching over to get it in he he goes ah! <laughs> don't freak out right because yeah. that's, that's that that's 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 part of it right you know there's what we're dealing with is hunting it's death it's uh extreme situations um there's water right there that that you know is ice cold and kill you in in you know a matter of minutes if you fall in all these kinds of things everything is incredibly serious yeah. you know you're 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 gathering food to maintain your existence, all that stuff, and of course you need to have laughter in that context too, you know. And it, it, this is these are the situations that people forget about that you 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 have to infuse your existence with humor too. And, and if you only keep humor over there in in that the dreary space that is like the comedy club or when you watch TV or something like that, then 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 you're going to be a, a, you know, intellectually poor human being too, if you ask me. Absolutely. Very true. Very good point. I mean, <laughs> I always thought being into comedy is like fucking just kind of lame because it's like, okay, I, am I this depressed? Like, am I at this point where I'm like listening to this? But it's, you know, it's needed. And to, I'm going to, grab on a few different strings here so bear with me guys um you know it's funny again to like when we think of you know these people who think that uh femininity means chaos or hysteria or whatever the idea of like the trickster like the, the jester the person who uh makes kings laugh at themselves who makes satire um you know like to deflate the ego to give people a humility check when they need it 
Um, for one, that's considered masculine a lot of the time for those who care. Um, and that also doesn't mean you have to literally be a male. Um, people who do actual witchcraft understand what I'm saying here. Um, you know, but that is, you also spoke about um, uh, initiation rights and you touched on the pain element and the, you know, toughening up for reality thing. Um, and that's very important. But what's also, I think, another important part of that picture is like, when we're doing ritual, um, we are literally, like people talk about it as, uh, trying to think of his name, not John Pugel, uh, Mircea Eliot talks about it as starting the world, as you are returning to that time when the gods are creating order and life as it is. And because it's outside of time, it's outside of chaos and order as we know it. And when, uh, you know, we used to be crowning kings, like there would not just be initiatic rites, but rites of sovereignty when someone would take the crown and they were literally recreating the world. And part of what is needed to do ritual is not taking yourself so goddamn serious. You know, that's a big thing. It's why people do ecstatic dance. It's why, you know, sometimes you will see witches cackling over the cauldron because you cannot go in clinging to your persona and your identity because that's rigidity. That's too much structure, masculine. Um, that's too much order. You can't get anything done that way. So when someone comes along and wants to interrupt the typical sterile nature of reality um, with, you know, poking fun at things, poking holes in egos, that's, we need that. Otherwise, we have no balance. And I don't think there should ever be like, because what, what are we saying when we're saying that there are some groups that are so fragile that we can never make jokes about them? I don't think that's a compliment. I don't think that's loving. And like, it's this obsession with being averse to all things remotely masculine, because if I'm going to classify things, it is masculine to like, show up by making fun of your friends and like tough love and stuff like that. And it's not hatred. And I think people who, you know, again, are very obsessed with being in their trauma um, are so anxious and so conflict avoidant that they're like, you could, you could say that. And you know, it's violent, like it's, it's horrible. And it's like, dude, you need to get a fucking grip. Like I talk shit on my, like it's a form of love and you don't have to do it. You don't have to even like it, but to try and destroy someone's life and their livelihood and mischaracterize what they're doing as hate speech because it's not for you. That's where we have a fucking problem. And I'm very glad he's as successful as he is. Um, I haven't really watched the whole thing just cause frankly, like, my issue with it wasn't, you know, I think he shouldn't be allowed to speak. I just didn't think it was his best work. Um, <laughs> I, I think he's very funny sometimes. Uh, I'm not obsessed with him as a comedian, but, you know, trying to say that some people, you can't even, like, there's some kind of sacred cow that you can't defile. It's like, you know, Jewish people who survived the Holocaust were fucking, a lot of them, like, there's a reason for gallows humor. Because if you don't, like, what are we gonna fucking do? Just cry every day, and that that you know this is this is really a really important topic, especially to touch upon in in context of American culture, because you know uh, in Europe we have a tendency to say that America has been Disneyfied. You know, you know everything is supposed to be that rosy red fantasy of 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 uh, of reality, and and what that. And this is true to some extent, of course, dis calling it Disneyfied is 
is uh, you know ex too extreme. That that's not the, what what it really is, of course. But there is the expectation in yeah. in this culture that everything has to be rosy and 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 happy and jolly. And if it's not, we're gonna fall apart. Right? Yeah. That's the that's the real problem that we're dealing with here, right? Um, people's expectations for what life is supposed to be like have been set so high, and if if those expectations aren't met, then we fall apart completely. And that is, you know, a very different. As you bring up, you know, Jews, for instance, like that's very different approach to life, you know, in Jewish communities. Um, <laughs> cry is a common like phrase you'll hear Jews throw around is laugh or cry. Yeah. And, 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 you know, other European cultures have other versions of it in different ways. Quite often, uh, it, you could see Americans being completely mortified, uh, by, uh, by Scandinavian humor, for instance, because <laughs> a lot of Scandinavian humor is like weirdly extreme, you know? Hmm. Um, from from the the American perspective, and uh, that's because of the cultural contexts that uh, that we come from, and uh, uh, how we have experienced life and history, and 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 all this, these things. Like one of the things that liberals like to talk about when it comes to Scandinavian countries is that oh, the Scandinavians are the happiest people in, on the planet um, because we check yeah. out you know up there uh, with that and then liberals like to you know connect that to these like a uh, 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 huge uh, social uh, benefits networks that we have created welfare systems and all that stuff um and um i'm, I'm sure that there's you know there are some worries that are definitely alleviated by those systems but there are also definitely you know things that can piss you off by those systems <laughs> speaking as a scandinavian um uh, but uh, you know the main reason that we're happier than other people and especially happier than americans is because our expectations are lower that's the that's the real reason the the, the, the the basic expectation that a scandinavian has from for like from life you know or to life um like what am i going to get out of life is lower than what you know an american has been told that they can uh, <laughs> they can achieve right so, so that tells you everything about how how such ideas as like happiness are also formed, right? You know, if if you're if you consider yourself happy to have just a middle of the road kind of job, living relatively anonymous existence with you know not so many social media followers, and uh, you know just having a family and a house, right? Um, Better, I think if you can manage to get away with that it's way better people are insane on social media anyway yeah <laughs> continue no i mean they, they are and and like personally i'm gravitating more and more towards that and you know the, the more social media followers i get the, the less i want to be on social media <laughs> so i mean that tells you a little bit about my scandinavian disposition right there <laughs> but but the point is that that it, it, you know 
the, the fantasies that we create around what life is and what life is supposed to be have a lot to say in terms of like how we react to everything that comes toward us, right? That's the real problem. That's the root of the problem, if you ask me, right? These, um, these expectations of existence that just don't match what reality really is. Right. And so we walk out into the world and we have a certain gender uh, expression, uh, for instance, right? And we expect everybody to accept that. And we expect everybody to be accommodating, right? That's not how reality is going to be. <laughs> Yeah. And that's also something we need to take into consideration. And it doesn't doesn't fix things to then just start getting angry and yelling at people. What fixes things is to have dialogue, actual functional dialogue, where you have sympathy, empathy, and understanding for what the other person is saying. And that, I think, is, is you know, almost non-existent in these discussions nowadays. It's become a virtue almost like to not to be as merciless as possible, to be as dogmatic and extreme as possible. And no one uh, actually, I think some of them do notice. I can't say they don't notice. They don't care that it's not effective. I think they almost, some of them get off on the fact that it's not of like, hell yeah, I just alienated my entire family because they voted for something else. Or I just disowned, you know, some of my family because they voted for someone I disagree with. Um, and you know, it's very clear if you pay any attention that when you come at people in this, again, very aggressive fashion, um, they either shut down and are unable to keep talking or they want to become a martyr for their cause or they start trolling you. And mm -hmm. in all of those cases, they're checked out. Like you're not actually achieving anything anymore. And I've brought him up a few times now, but because I, I find him to be very important. Um, and not as discussed by all these people who, you know, oddly enough, are obsessed and like kind of fetish fetishize uh, black people as like, you know, shut up and sit down and just listen to anything. Um, I have a ton of respect for this uh, one guy who's like a jazz musician turned actual activist. Um, and not everyone who says they are actually is one. Uh, Daryl Davis, who has I think he wrote a book. Uh, uh, he, I can't remember the title, but he wrote a book, something, uh, a black man's journey through the Klan, um, and, or an odyssey through the Klan or something where he was, he still is a jazz musician. And one day, um, you know, some white guy in the South who came to one of his shows strikes up conversation with him. And he's like, I didn't know black people could play like that. And as time goes on, it, he pulls out his, he's like a card carrying member of the Klan. And he's just like, I must know more. Like, he doesn't run away. He's like, and the guy, like, weirdly enough, was like, yo, keep in touch. You're cool. I didn't know black people could be like this. And it's like, he, you know, he, he talks about, like, he's he has a book. He's been on Rogan. Uh, he's, he, you can look him up online and find different videos. And I think he's a fantastic example because he has the confidence and resilience in himself to understand. Oh, so I'm getting ahead of myself. His major accomplishment that people talk about is he has literally talked hundreds of people who were in the Klan out of their robes. He has their robes. They've given them to him. And he did that by sitting down and talking. And 
in his words and many times becoming friends, you know, like knowing that they were active in the plan, knowing that maybe they will never leave, knowing it'll take years to make any difference. And to him, it was more important to be a human being and to go to, you know, your enemy, people that you know are disgusted by you and slowly like say, hey, okay, we're both humans. Tell and he talks about this of like, hey, tell me where your idea is even coming from. You say it's in the Bible, tell me chapter and verse. I'm I'm religious. Let's let's fucking talk. And it's effective. Um so whether or not you have the stomach for it, different case. Mm -hmm. Speaking of masculinity, that's pretty fucking masculine, right? Baller. Baller as fuck. <laughs> and because he wasn't, I will say, he wasn't just like some turn the other cheek, you know, totally, yeah, just like talk shit at me. He he challenged people. He he spoke to them like human beings, but he also was like, hey, you're talking about uh, black people's brains are smaller. Okay, tell me where is the evidence? I would like to know. Um, <laughs> and not everyone can, and he said this, like not everyone can be convinced through argument or logic or conversation, but a lot of people can. Mm -hmm. And I would say more people than we would give credit for. Um, because I don't, if someone's just going to double down or shut down or, you know, mock me, then why I don't, I don't want to waste my time, but people seem to get this like uh, religious stamp of approval almost of like the sanctity of I pissed off white to like fucking Seth Rogen talking about haha my movie pissed off hundreds of thousands of white supremacists and I'm like look, look let me just touch that for a second there aren't hundreds of thousands of white supremacists in America I'm just gonna say that I don't care if that's controversial you're making that up. Um, you think that the reason people don't like your movie is because they're against diversity. Uh, you're voicing Santa Claus. Like you and your other white Saturday Night Live millionaire alumni friends are the cast. So no, you just suck and you're not funny. Like, the, <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, yeah, what, what we're talking about, like having that dialogue, um, that goes back to how, you know, sort of the last like solid question I wanted to ask is like, okay, I can very easily identify priorities in the pagan and witch movements, in the heathen movement especially, that I disagree with and I think are leading us further into a swamp, further nowhere. Um, you know, obsessing over identity politics, obsessing over trauma. Um, so what do you think would be helpful priorities for us to focus on that would move us forward and get us talking to each other? Which are two different things, I understand. So, the, first of all, the, the help, uh, healthy and helpful priorities um, would be to start actually reading and caring about the cultural heritage that we have. Mm. Um, I read the literature, read the myths, right? I mean, as you just said before, do any people, do anybody really do that anymore? <laughs> you know, that, I mean, it's a good question. Do they actually, or do they just read people's opinions about them, or do they just read, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, even Wikipedia articles on it? Like, someone you know, says this is problematic, so I'm not going to read it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
So, so that that's that's a really important place to start, actually. Yeah. Um, I think everybody needs, and this is this is because we have a disconnected tradition, right? We, as we have talked about, we don't have elders, and we don't have the those you know tight knit communities in which the stories are told and evolving and so on. What we have is literature. Um, that we can thankfully nowadays all access, you know, in multiple languages. Um, so, so, so I think an incredibly important aspect is like if you identify as also true, you know, Nordic, Germanic, heathen, or or you know what what the the left calls it nowadays, Norse paganism. Uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> like been cast as like the, the the left wing version of this, and I'm like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> I have always been outside through, and I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not going to submit to you know your new newly invented categories like fuck that. It's anyway. Like it's people who I, I'm not not to interrupt you too much. Um, they they actually don't know what they're talking about. You mentioned the difference between Norse and Nordic uh, people throw those words around like they're interchangeable, even though we have this obsessive, obsessive worship of uh, ethno-essentialism. Like, people are basically woke ethno-nationalists, and yet they don't know when they're like mixing up different cultures. Um, and it's like, there's this idea that doing Norse paganism is like uh, sort of studying the runes and having like a concept of who the gods are, and like, that's it, you're in. <laughs> so, and 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 yeah. Loki is like transgender god or something. Right, like, like the like the patron god of queer people. Yeah. It's like, it's okay. like, all right, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> whatever floats your boat. <laughs> but, sure. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, if if that's if those are the traditions, for instance, that 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 you're connected to, then go read the fucking Eddas. You know, go read Snorri Sturluson's Etta. Go read the Poetic Etta. Go At least you guys have them. I'm mostly a fucking Irish heathen at this point. We barely have shit. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yes. But, you know. <laughs> you guys not read them. <laughs> you, can, you can still read the Mabinogian. Like, that's that's close it, enough. <laughs> I know. But that's, it's very, it's Welsh, specifically. I don't hate on the Welsh. Um, but... <laughs> It's hard to not, like, I talk about the issue with mixing cultures. I find myself just saying Celtic or Pan-Celtic very often because it fits well enough together. And if you don't treat it like a big puzzle, you're not going to have very much. Uh, True. And also, you know, speaking as a scholar on the subject of uh, Old Norse stuff, I mean, that is quite applicable to the Irish situation, too. Right. Um, so, so I... Uh, the the if you ask me in, in that general region of of Europe the the uh, these categorizations of like this is definitely Scandinavian this is definitely Irish or you know blah 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 that's usually artificial <laughs> like the 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 stories in that general region uh, seem to have been shared a lot between cultures in in different ways so so I I I, I wouldn't wouldn't say that you should stay away from from the Nordic stuff if if you're trying to find good solid 
myths and stories to to attach to and in, in in a more Irish based tradition, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's that's the first point, like, you know, read, read the primary sources we have available to our traditions, right? Second one, read up to date scholarship, if you can stomach it, at least. You know, I feel like a lot of, you know, because there is, let's let's be honest, there is also a tendency among, you know, pagans uh, of many flavors to, you know, um, to, to want to be more intellectual than they probably are, you know, right? And, you know, if that's your game, then, you know, read actual intellectual input. <laughs> so, and and again, we have, the, this is where the internet is is great, right? Because there are so many platforms where scholars, they make their stuff available. And I'm not talking about watching Jackson's Crawford's uh, YouTube channel. I'm about <laughs> reading. 3% of the house of your community. It's like, Sorry. he's like a prophet. <laughs> it's like, he's... he's He's not even part of your community, people. <laughs> anyway, he's not, and I feel like he's cringed out just from what I mean. like. He's literally turned off his comments on YouTube, and he's literally tweeted things like, um, "Anytime I see a guy with rune tattoos, I pretend I work for the NFL." And I'm like, "Ouch!" <laughs> um, but I get fucking cringy. Like most of us don't read, so as you were saying. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, I I I can understand and sympathize with that. I don't want to talk to some of them because I'm like, okay, like, I will defend a certain amount of Brosatru. I, I don't think they deserve hate, but they are annoying. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, if we, if we, um, in in um, in talking about this whole subject of like coming of age and becoming an adult, right? That yeah. these guys need to grow up. That that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that I also has an impulse, like you know there is a very strong element of almost like uh you know dressing up to make something real it's why we dress up for ritual um i don't begrudge them that but like at a certain point you have to move on and grow up if, like you're saying if you're going to be serious and not just larping which has its place i think larping has its place early in your practice uh you can find plenty of cringy pictures of me looking like i'm at renaissance fair you know or in my earlier <laughs> years but uh yeah i i, I guess and, and you know that's fair that's again going back to the humor thing you know uh playing is also part of being human play around with things too right and if you were you know find that oh this is not for me uh this particular you know belief system after having played around in it for a while then that's cool too you know um and and again you know what it means to become an adult right is is to to also then start you know working more seriously with things and that's where reading actual scholarship on these subjects uh, it can be part of you know bringing you into adulthood right and and go you know when when academics for instance freely make their research available on sites like academia.edu and researchgate and all those places right take advantage of that you know, even if it's, you know, hard to get through. Um, that's that's what I meant in, uh, with like, don't just watch, you know, YouTube, yeah, you know. <laughs> you know. Um, 
because I mean, somebody like Jackson Crawford does make a lot of really you know useful information available to a huge crowd. So, um, but but there's a step further in actually like engaging with with proper research, like you uh, for instance in doing like you know reading Michel Eliade and 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 such scholars, right? That is incredibly helpful for understanding things too, because again, we lack an actual community uh, that has been bringing, um, you know, sacred knowledge with it through history. Yeah. So we have to we have to start that community and start our world, so yeah. to speak, right? And so, so that's that. Those are some of the things that I I, I want to say in 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 terms of like moving forwards um, with all that stuff. That you you have to do that. You have to you know get into that to, to some degree, um, unless you have an elder around. And again, I I doubt that that many people do at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's it's a rare privilege, I will say, and, you know, I will also say that even if you do, uh, do not lean on them to spoon feed you. You know, that's not helpful, and you're making yourself, like, we should not, we're in helplessness is not helpful. I mean, we should be able to do uh, all of this for ourselves. I think when it's uh, the most valuable to have a connection with an elder, is when you've done everything you can on your own. You have done the reading, you've looked into, okay, what are the more academics I take and saying about this? Or even people on the outside, like people who are anthropologists, like in psychology and different like tangential, tangentially parallel related fields, um, you know, be literate in your own sphere, in your own interest, and then have, intel have educated questions to bring to elders because, you know, not, <laughs> fuck it, to gatekeep, because um, I think that's uh, a word that's very unfairly judged in a negative light. There is value to like having checks and balances of like, hey, don't go bring your dumbass questions that you could be taken to Google. Like, right. show that you have invested time in this. And I've spoken to different elders on this, and they're like, yeah, we don't have the time to spoon feed you unless you're literally part of our family, whether that's blood or chosen. We don't have the time, even if we wanted to. Absolutely. That, that's I, I want to emphasize that, too, because like I am starting to see this uh, myself. And, you know, as as an educator, I want to be helpful. I want to I, I want to be uh, I, I'd like to make my knowledge available to everybody. But then I get, you know. Ten messages daily on on Instagram. It's like, hey, what about this? What about that? La, 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 la. And, and then, <laughs> if I don't respond, some people have the fucking audacity to get mad at me. And I'm like, <laughs> you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, like, what do you think? Like that that I'm as a, as a person who have knowledge about this, don't have my own shit going on. I'm a normal human being with like family life and a house to fix and a yeah. mountain station I need to fix. You know, those kinds of things, right? <laughs> like, and oh, yeah. The entitlement <laughs> is absolutely unacceptable. Like, having questions, cool. And I was even going to say, like, take advantage of the fact that we're so connected over social media. I, like, we started talking over Instagram. You know, you can reach out to people who have knowledge, but have some fucking respect. Like, treat them like people. And have some goddamn respect for 
their life and their knowledge and the fact that they're human beings. Um, and, you know, not to fucking chew my own horn, but I never get shit like that. Not that I'm on the same level, but I think uh, my past as a professional dominatrix uh, <laughs> and my attitude when people try that shit with me, I don't get those kinds of messages because I will nuke you from orbit. Like, don't ever come at me with that kind of entitlement. <laughs> I owe you nothing. Um, no, you know. that's, it, 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 yeah, it, it, um, uh, you're right. I mean, um, but for me, what uh, what I simply do is that I I block or restrict those kinds of people. You know, just like out because um, I, I I like. <laughs> that's definitely not cool um but no i mean I, like as as somebody who uses you know instagram myself to sometimes connect to, to people like for instance yourself right you know you know i i sometimes send messages out to 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 someone right and yeah. then they don't respond and you know what yeah. that's okay i don't sit around and get pissy and bitchy about it and then it's like why are you not responding to me? <laughs> like that no it's like okay so this person is busy or something like that i'll try again later if it's important and yeah. if not then i'm not gonna try again and that's that right like, right but it's, the thing is also yeah. but the thing is also like you know what you don't even have you, you're not even entitled to them um doing the, the, even reading your message or responding to you, hey, I, I don't have time to respond to you. Like, yeah. you're not even entitled to that because as as a person uh, floating around in that social media space, yeah. you don't have any, any, any substantial connections to those people that you're reaching out to, even if you've talked to them in the past either, right? And that's also part about, uh, a part that has to do with like being an adult, right? Yes. Like knowing the fucking place is, is <laughs> you know, <laughs> being adult. <laughs> this and... is one of those, um, you know, I think real, actual virtues that I notice in heathenry, you know, the Nordic and the Celtic, is the idea of hospitality translating to there are expectations of honorable action on all parties in any interaction, whether that's guest and host, student and teacher, what have you. So... I understand both arguments for, um, you know, ma magic shouldn't cost money and also elders can't, you know, you cannot be an expert and not be paid for your knowledge. That's, you know, not acceptable. You can't just sit there not being able to pay rent. But the least you can do, your honor obligation, as it were, as someone who's seeking someone out for that reason, show that you have given a damn enough that you are bringing an educated question or point of conversation and you are actually offering something intellectually and not to say that like someone is worthless if they're not the an expert you know people on all parts of the profession have you know have value and should speak and have something to say it's why we should have real life working groups of people or at least community meeting spaces um but yeah like the the entitlement and the idea of like these parasocial relationships where like people watch someone on youtube and they think they're friends it's like yeah, no, maybe if you message them and actually talk and cultivate a friendship, that's possible. I'm literally in the house of someone that I met off Instagram and started talking to. And two years later, like I'm sleeping over for a month. It can happen, but not just because I was like, hey, why don't you fucking talk to me? I'm cool. You're cool. Like, no. <laughs> no. 
actually talk. How it works is like it, you know, uh, organically it will, you know, evolve if there is, you know, a reason for it, right? <laughs> you know, that that that's how that works. And yeah, I mean, I I I think that we have all uh, at this point, you know, anybody who is, uh, you know, was born in from the late 70s and onwards have like probably at this point cultivated uh, a relationship to somebody on the internet that has then materialized into a a, a real friendship that uh, you know uh, also exists outside of <laughs> cyberspace right um yeah that's very uh, that's that's very possible to make that happen right um but yeah no people have like these weird <laughs> expectations nowadays oh, don't bring that to me. You will regret it. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, that so is I do, uh -huh. my attitude. <laughs> I mean, blocking is fair. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't send an actual response to everyone who sends me something dumb or annoying or entitled. I do it if they like repeatedly try to get my attention and I'm like, hey, I didn't respond for a fucking reason. Knock it off. Like, unless I want to respond to you, I have a Patreon. Like, I have a website. You can reach out to me in a professional capacity if you, uh, you know, want to consult me on something or you want my input on something I have training to advise you on, which, you know, the Druidic elder, the, the Druid that I spoke to, uh, Beckett, he was saying like, hey, if you're in my family, if you are kind of like under the people that I have loyalty to, come to me, you know, I'm happy to talk to your family. Uh, but if I don't know you, why are you like asking for that level of intimacy? Because that's not even appropriate. And that's basically how I feel. Like if I'm friends with someone and I've had like people that I'm even close to that I haven't met online being like, oh, can I ask you like a question about kink? I don't know if like, should I pay you for that? I'm like, hey, shut up. Tell me what's going on. Uh, let's just talk. Um, but yeah, speaking of uh, the internet and Patreon and different things, uh, Two different questions, two last questions for you. One, what books that, uh, or sources that are not you or your own would you recommend for people to read? And then after that, where can people find your work and support you? Okay, um, sources that are not me. <laughs> <laughs> what are your favorites? Um, I mean, uh, this is actually a very difficult question because I uh, have, currently embarked on sort of like uh, a, uh, a, a, a journey of trying to read everything that's available out there. <laughs> you know, uh, when also true, heathenry, um, you know, rune magic and all that stuff. And I am still not convinced by any of the stuff that I have read. And I have spent more than a thousand dollars on books over the last couple of months. I think. That's insane. I am just going through all of it. <laughs> Nobody has done that before. So, if, Are you if write I about it or make a video or something once you're done. Sorry, what? Are you gonna like write about it or make a video or something once you're done and like talk about all of it? I have a I have a project um, a big project that that uh, that that will uh, materialize as a result of this. So so if I were to like uh, you know recommend anything um, for people to read, I say 
read scholarship, read read the, the, the scholars that have worked on, if you're into the Nordic stuff, that have worked on the Nordic stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a uh, wonderful, uh, quite, you know, it started quite long ago, a collection of books called The Viking Collection, mm. um, which has, you know, th these are books of, of different authors. Um, and, you know, there's, for instance, the Danish scholar of religion, Jens Peter Schutt, who has uh, written the book Initiation Between Two Worlds. If you're interested in initiation rituals, read his stuff, right? <laughs> like, yeah, and that's a good book. Um, I think it's from 2008. So that's that's like a that's like a solid piece of scholarship and it's going to be dense and and hard to go through but it's going to be awesome. Um the same with like Margaret Clooney's Ross uh Prolonged Echoes volume 1 and 2 in the same um series of books Viking the Viking collection uh, or Viking collection. Um like also great scholarship, man. Those are some examples. Um and like if you just like start by um go as a as somebody who's interested in this stuff if you start by googling and maybe going on wikipedia and if you then go to the sources section the citation section in wikipedia instead of wikipedia, bro sorry instead of reading just the article and then be done with it right then you will also get solid material, right? Um, and as I said, like, you know, follow scholars on, on academia.edu. And that's a great way to also get updates and so on. Um, you know, if you have to read uh, Neil Price's uh, uh, Children of Ash and Elm, even though I'm not a big fan of it, I think I might have pissed him off by writing a really <laughs> negative review on my website. But it's also it's a good place to start. Just be aware that right, yeah, yeah. His, his work, his his the, the portion on Old Norse mythology is not that impressive. But hey, um, the stuff on archaeology, on the other hand, is great. So. Yeah. I mean, like, that's something else that Georgina's mentioned is like, um, hopefully, I think she said this publicly. I don't think I'm throwing her under the bus here. She's saying that there's an issue with honest book reviews in the pagan community because, in the movement or whatever, because it's such a small circle that people are afraid of hurting each other's feelings. So there's an abundance of just fluffy, nice reviews, even when, like you're saying, some parts are awesome and some have room for improvement. So I appreciate that you're saying, hey, this part is great, this part not so much. Yeah, and you know, this is the same with scholarship. Like, you know, the scholars, the circle of scholars on, on Old Norse mythology, for instance, and pre-Christian Scandinavian religions, that kind of stuff. We all know who each other are. Yeah, you know? And, you know, it's the same thing. You know, on the one hand, uh, you have people who write reviews because they want to kiss somebody else's ass. And we have people who uh, write reviews and try not to be uh, too harsh and you know because they don't they don't want that awkward situation of going to a conference and then meeting that person personally i don't have a problem with that <laughs> <laughs> that's that toxic masculinity at again totally that that's what it is. <laughs> you know it's not a commitment to honesty or or you know right. what you consider genuine research or anything like that it's, it's toxic masculinity <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so what about uh what about your stuff um where can people find you how can people support you so um if you want to support me the or the podcast that i'm i'm, I'm part of uh, you can always uh, sign up for uh, paid, you know, on Patreon for the Nordic Mythology Podcast. Um, of course, listen to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. If you like it, throw down a, a good review, five-star review, because that helps us, you know, go viral or whatever you call it on Apple Podcasts, you know. Um, aside from that, you know, check my website, the Nordic Mythology Channel, or just nordicmythologychannel.com. Um, where that's where I have my blog at some point I might migrate it to another platform but we'll see um, check that out and if you want to you can always go find my books on Amazon um, I have the book Old Norse Mythology for Kids and also also true for beginners um, I don't get royalties from them so I don't care if you buy them but it's good stuff <laughs> I wrote them on commission, so so. Oh, geez. So when people are buying your books, it's not going to you. No, it's some faceless corporation in California. Um, oh. That's okay. I, that, there's a whole backstory to this that that involves uh, you, me, um, not uh, um, not really having aspirations to be an author or anything like that, but just being like, yeah, sure, I can do that, and if I'm doing it some some idiot would be doing it so i should be doing it <laughs> but it's a whole thing i guess anyway there's that there's also my scholarship of course um i recently published a book on uh volcanoes in old norse mythology um that one does bring in royalties so anybody want to support that uh go find it it's so a, buy that one and go on Scribd or, or something for the others. <laughs> something like that. All right. Cool. So, thank you. Uh, that's pretty much it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. We have a pretty impressive basically two hours here. So we got into it. I'm happy about that. Um, I'm going to shamelessly say that I have my own Patreon. And if you would like to support me making this podcast at all, then that would be the way to do it. Please stop asking me to have femdom sessions with you. I'm not doing that shit anymore. Um, I'm, not, I'm especially not going to uh, plan that over Instagram. You will get me banned. Anyways, um, I'm Outlaw Priestess on Patreon. This is a culture wars, and I'm going to end this the same way I end all of them, which is by saying thank you for listening, but... Put your phone down, stop looking at your screen, go outside, put the grass under your feet, and go do some magic. <sighs> <laughs> okay.